1: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena, and as always, I'm joined by my man, Scott Chu. Baseball is back, Scott!
2: You know, I gotta tell you, as a baseball fan, this flurry of action is beautiful. I love it. It's great. It's exciting. My phone is blowing up. As a content creator, it is my absolute nightmare. Everything I've been working on, out the window, right? I'm rewriting, like player analyses i'm re-ranking guys it's like just utter chaos as all these things move around and we'll talk we love about it. <laughs> it yeah we'll talk about it a lot today but like what's weird is i have to change a lot of the write-ups but like a bunch of the ranks like don't necessarily move some of them don't move as much as you'd expect but there's like even before i can do that i have to like think about it so much and look and look and it's like wow this is nuts but again it's so fun Right? Yes. Like yep. like the poor folks at Roster
1: Resource must just be dying right now. But they're doing a good job, you know, because I'm watching like you. Like I have my cell phone out at my desk at work, and I'm just waiting for the next move to happen, next transaction, next signing. And literally like 10 minutes after the uh, transactions announced, Roster Resource has updated their their lineups, which I find it tip my cap to them
2: yeah otherwise this podcast would be real hard to do (laughs)
1: yeah yeah, yes but uh, yeah in case you were sleeping underneath a rock yes we have a new collective bargaining agreement and Scott it's been a while since we've actually had some real news to report on this podcast we've we've kind of you know scoured uh, wherever we could and and found like little bits and pieces of news but uh, tons of activities so many activities
3: making my head spin how many activities we
1: can do. Lots of activity between the trades, free agent signings. Just to give everyone a reference, we're recording this podcast on March 14th, just a little after 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So who knows? Once we're done recording, there might be another uh, transaction, another signing, another trade. But yeah. just before we started, uh, it was just announced that Andrew McCutcheon joined the Brewers. But uh, huge, huge news today. We, do we want to start with this guy? Who do we want to start with? I'll let you take the lead on this.
2: Yeah, I hadn't even thought about Andrew McCutcheon yet. I think that's that's a really great signing uh, mm-hmm. for, for the Brewers. I think that they were, I, as I was watching their roster, I thought they were relying on, uh, some strange parts of the outfield, right? To really like bolster it up. And I think McCutcheon's going to slot right in as a DH mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, he is getting older. He's, you know, he's over 35 years old. I think he's, I think roster resources, right? They're going to slot him right into that four spot for uh, for them. So he's going to kind of be right at the end of what I think is a, a pretty decent top half of a lineup with Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, and Andrew McCutcheon where he McCutcheon now can be an accumulator, right? Mm -hmm. He can play DH just about every day. He'll probably rotate a little bit, but it's not like the, it's not like the bench for the Brewers is super deep or they don't like, they don't have a lot of guys right now who look like obvious DHs. So it's a great move for him. He all of a sudden becomes interesting as sort of a back end outfielder, particularly in those four and five outfield leagues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you got off to a great start. Great analysis right off the bat there, Scott. And there's some big names we're going to talk about today. But uh, Ronald Acuna is hitting spring training home runs, says he's ready for opening day. But the Braves say, hey, hold your horses. Uh, wait, you know, give it a month. You'll you'll be playing in May. I have a feeling he'll be playing in the middle of April. But uh, uh, Mike Trout, uh, Joe Madden asked him if he would – really didn't ask him to tell you the truth. He, he just kind of like – told the media, right, that he wants uh, Trout to play a corner outfield spot so he could get Brandon Marsh in playing some center field. And Trout said, uh, "Uh uh-uh, no. (laughs) And I tell you, I I really can't wait to see Trout in an everyday lineup. But uh, those are two big names. But what's the biggest story today? We were talking about right before the show. It's your buddy, (laughs) Fernando Tatis Jr., fracturing his wrist potentially missing up to three months, the first three months of the season, because he might have surgery. He's not sure if uh, doctors are recommending that he has surgery, Scott, but uh, it's been recommended for him, but he's just not sure if he's going to follow those recommendations.
2: Yeah. And and why should he, right? Everyone told him he had to get surgery last year. And all he did was be the best baseball player on the planet for 130 games. Right. (laughs) Like I totally get it. Like it, it is comical. The, the, the press conferences they've had, like, oh, did you hurt your wrist in a motorcycle accident? Which one? Like, <laughs> oh, okay, buddy. But you know what? <laughs> like, honestly, you know, I was just writing my ranks. Like, I had just opened up my ranks when I got the news, so I had to move Tatis. To I'll tell you that my shortstop rankings are coming out probably around the time this podcast drops on Wednesday morning. So Tatis is in my top ten at shortstop. Still, I've ranked him eighth currently, and that's because I'm a coward. I could have moved him up because <laughs> at any at no point last season was Tatis ever bad, ever, right? Look at the rolling chart. I just tweeted this last night. His worst 100 plate appearance sample in 2021 had an expected Woba of about 360. For reference, uh, Boba Chet's expected Woba for the 2021 season, uh, my number two shortstop on the board, uh, was 354. Six points lower than the worst expected Woba tatis had at any 100 plate appearance sample so here's the thing with tatis in deeper leagues i do think there's there's strategy in the avoiding right because the replacement level so low you don't know how long to be gone man these shallow leagues these yahoo leagues uh 10 team espn leagues you've got you've got an il spot right is there any better person to have on the il than fernando tatis jr
1: right it's like him jr right like it's a given yeah
2: yeah, unless you're in a 1 IL IL spot league and you have a Cunha and Tatís, you're not really pressured right now. Put him on the IL and let him be when he comes back. You have to remember, he only had minimum stays on the IL last year and every time he came back, he was immediately productive. He is there's a story called Harrison Bergeron about this like dystopian society where everybody has to wear these like weight handicaps and masks. Like if you're pretty, you have to wear an ugly mask. If you're strong, you have to wear weight handicaps. It's like to make everyone equal. And some, there's, like, some universe, I think, where Fernando Tatis is our Harrison Bergeron. Then if we take the injuries away, he'll just float into the sky and just, like, just live up there then because he's too good for the rest of us. But I don't mean that in, like, a he thinks he's too good. No, he is. He actually is. He's just better than all of us at everything.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in terms of when he's healthy, when he's in the lineup, he's, you know, one of the top – Three players. Which
2: was 130 games last year, Joe. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> 130. So, so he missed 32. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, we've had this conversation before where, you know, I was always worried about the, the, the shoulder. I didn't realize that the guy's riding motorbikes in the offseason and he's having multiple accidents. But anyway, you know, it's, it's funny. I remember uh, listening to a podcast with Ian Kahn, uh, who is a very successful fantasy baseball player. Player also played George Washington on the show Turn the best George Washington I've ever seen, and I'm a big George Washington fan. But anyway, I remember him saying that he he uh rostered him in a dynasty league, but just the, his style of play, his over aggressiveness, he, he actually traded him away. But and and I just want to bring up a point you mentioned that if you have uh Acuna and Tatis on the same team, on I mean, you're either playing in a what a, a six. Six team league, or That's a three team <laughs> league, <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe it's a you know an auction league where you just blew all your your, your money on your first you know two throws out there or not. But um, yeah, it's just uh, so so one of the uh, the Padres it looks like it's going to be Ha Young Kim. Uh, there's also CJ Abrams, but uh, he's twenty years old, only played seventy six professional games, but really good. But uh, uh, you know, I guess that it looks like it's going to be Kim playing every day while um, uh, Tatis recuperates. No,
2: I think there's no way the roster stays what it looks like today because the roster today looks like it has Nomar Mazzara on it, and I, I don't think teams trying to contend for playoff spots are putting Nomar Mazzara in the field. Right? It's that's a little just,
1: hard. No. <laughs> no,
2: no, like that's just that's just not going to happen. So they do have some guys in the minors, but most of them are quite a bit younger. So I, I think what we're going to see is some kind of signing, free agent signing trades. I don't know, because they're pretty rich in the minors, but mm-hmm. they they can't expect to win a tough division with three non-roster invitees expected to make the roster, mm. right? Like, that's just not going to cut it. So I, I do wonder how exactly they're going to pull it off, but there are still plenty of good free agents still out there, right? Like, if they were really worried, there's this other shortstop kid I've in heard Carlos of. Correa, yeah. Uh, he's out there. Uh, I mean, he's not been linked to him. What about this, this guy, uh, Story?
1: Trevor yeah, Story?
2: Trevor, Trevor Story's still out yeah, there. If they yeah. want to masher, Kyle Schwarber is still out there uh, mm-hmm. to play left field instead of Nomar Mazzara, right? Mm-hmm. Nick Castellanos mm-hmm. still out there, right? Chris Bryant still out. I mean, there's a lot of really good players, right? I mean, a really interesting one from a fantasy perspective. I'd love to see it. Like, I don't think they will again, but like a Jonathan VR all of a sudden mm-hmm. becomes very valuable there. I'm going to be watching. I mean, they could always have a reunion with Tommy Mm Pham, right? Uh, There's a lot of things this team could do. So I would say keep a close eye on them because they could very well still be players. And that's just on the free agent market. That's not even talking about trades.
1: Right, right. Uh, Yeah, if they they sign Story when he he comes back, when Tatis comes back, uh, maybe Story could move over to second or something uh, you know
2: yeah, they got it they've got a dh spot in it right now That looks like it's taken yeah. by jericks and profar okay
1: uh-huh. sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so uh, th- th- i think uh, we've exhausted uh tatis right uh we can't go e- over every single a uh, transaction that's happened otherwise this would be like a three-hour podcast but he- here's the theme right the a's and the reds are big time sellers and uh today on the on the 14th, like I said, we're recording this on the fourteenth. Um Matt Olson was finally traded uh by the A's to the Braves, which you know it, it was rumored, but a shocker. Freddie Freeman, no longer Brave.
2: Yeah, what a weird feeling, right? We talked about him in the first for pod yeah. first base podcast, and what we said was it doesn't really matter where he goes. Correct. Except for the part where it looks really weird that he's not in an Atlanta uniform, right? Like that part's really weird, but everything else, like the team is still going to be in great shape. I it's think he'd look good Matt in Olsen.
1: pinstripes, tell you the truth, but I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Whatever, Joe, uh,
1: <laughs> you and your Yankees. No,
2: I think that it's weird, but at the same time, it's a good fit for Matt Olson. Uh, I think that Freddie Freeman's a good fit wherever he goes because he's just really good. Right. Like you make him fit. Right. So it's, it's very interesting news from a real baseball perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, I'm not sure it did a whole lot. Right. Like both of these, like, for example, the two main guys, you know, with Olsen and Freeman, they were going to play all year. Didn't matter where they played. And like their, the statistical output they were going to create wasn't dependent entirely on the teams they were on or the lineups around them. Right. Mm -hmm, Freddie Freeman's mm -hmm. not going to go to the pirates. Okay. So as long as he goes to like a top half team, He's an elite producer, right? Just like he was when the, when Atlanta was only a top half team and not an elite one. Right. And Matt Olson is going to a better hitting environment because the Coliseum's really rough. And ultimately the big thing for him is he's got big, big raw power. And we yeah. hope that he can unlock it in Atlanta, just like he did in Oakland. And he's got a slightly better surrounding cast, but not enough to necessarily move the needle. Cause the analysis with him isn't like, Oh, I wish his team around him was better. It's more like, I wish that he could just be a little more consistent. So mm-hmm. there is nothing inherent about Georgia versus California that makes a person more consistent at playing baseball.
1: Right? Interestingly so- enough, he is from Georgia, right? Originally, so. oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. So, so like that's cool, but th- there is not like, a lot of not a lot of fantasy <laughs> news there, unless you were like in an AL only league, and then like sorry,
1: hmm. yeah, uh, like I mentioned, A's just depleting their – Uh, roster. And by the time you hear this, I'm sure there'll be even more players gone off the roster, but uh, Mets have been uh, very active this off season. They also traded for Chris Bassett. A's traded Bassett to the Mets. And I tell you, you know, we don't talk a lot about pitching on this podcast, mostly hitting uh, news and whatnot, but I love that move for the Mets. And as a Yankee fan, I'm kind of nervous because it seems like the Mets, might be taking over the town, but uh, I love the move Chris Bassett to the Mets.
2: You must be overstimulated, Joe, because I've never heard a Yankees fan be actually worried about the Mets. Right? That's never.
1: <laughs> that's, that's never happened. I've lived through the Stump Merrill years, so I've seen the. the, 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 the yeah, so I've seen I some think bad the Yankee thing, teams.
2: honestly, for me, still, the thing I don't quite know what's going to happen with the Mets is when you look at their roster. Like, I really did like I liked that ad for. Chris Bassett, because the last two parts of their rotation, Carrasco and Walker, do have some big question marks. Jake DeGrom is obviously a question mark. They had, uh, you know, it's not really a young pitching staff. So adding Chris Bassett there, who's been a, a nice rock for the last few years, I think that's a really nice move for them. I'm really more worried about their lineup because I'm trying to figure out, like, they've got this weird assortment of pieces. And I'm trying to figure out how we got a DH. We've had all this roster turnover, and they still have no idea what to do with J.D. Davis or Dominic Smith. They mm-hmm. appear to have just no idea what they want to do with these guys, how they're going to ever deploy them. And you look at the roster now, and I still don't see it. Right? They've got Robbie Cano locked into that uh, DH spot. They've got you know pretty good fielders all around. Uh, they you know they just signed Eduardo Escobar, so they're not gonna they're not gonna like sit him a bunch. Like, where do these guys play? And so that's that's the one thing to me is I really wanted the DH to be something for J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith. And looking at the roster, I just – I don't see it. I can't mm-hmm. rank those guys because I just don't see how they'll play.
1: No, yeah. And other – like non – good point, by the way, but non-fantasy news, Pete Alonso walked away from a tr- horrible car. Did you see the – pictures of what the car looked like his car got t-boned on his way to spring training so thank god <laughs> you know that he, he survived and was able to walk walk away from that but uh and you mentioned Degrom. see that now he's going to uh play out this season and he is going to option out and become a free agent at the end of the season and i guess he's going to be looking for max scherzer money right 43 million per that's where he starts I mean, that's where he starts.
2: It won't be where he ends, right? Wow, he's going to get a amazing. lot of money. Yeah. I think the big news to me was that he's in line to start opening day. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what they say, right? And he's been a big question mark. We don't know how much he'll pitch, whatever. What we do know is that when he pitches, he's the absolute best baseball player, like best pitcher on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, since 2018, his numbers are are comical how good he's been. Yeah. So, you know, that's really exciting news for the Mets. So, I mean, the Mets are getting good news, which is great. It just makes me worry because it's like the Mets don't usually get good news. So when this <laughs> happens, like something catastrophic is on the horizon. Well, if but- you want
1: bad news, uh, Stallion Marte, uh, oblique issue, nothing you – know, the x-rays came back negative, but uh, that's that's a little bit of bad news. for them. Mets are a cursed team, let's face it. It just seems – they just have bad luck, but – We'll see. I wish them the best. I wish them the best. But uh, so I I mentioned that the Reds are selling off, too. Right. And uh, is a guy that you've mentioned once or twice on our podcast, Eugenio Suarez? Uh, Former Tiger
2: Eugenio Suarez. He was (laughs) traded for Alfredo Simone back in like 2014 in what is undoubtedly the worst trade they've had in recent memory. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because Alfredo big pasta was just not very good. Like he was one of those guys that like, we were all just kind of getting into saber metrics and we were all kind of like, Ooh, this guy's not very good. He's a fraud. <laughs> and the tigers were like, don't care. We're taking him. So he goes to uh, my buddy, Mikey Heddo's, uh Mariners. And it's weird because one, I didn't even realize he was part of the trade because all the news was about Jesse Winker. Right. But mm-hmm. you know, what's weird is I really thought this was going to make me change their value. Like I was going to move them in my ranks. And I didn't. And it's because for, you know, for Winker, the issue is not where he plays. His power plays everywhere. I need him to play. Right. The nice thing is that the Reds were like weirdly intent on platooning him every chance they got. And the Mariners kind of can't, right? Like you would never sit a Jesse Winker for Dylan Moore um, or the same handed Taylor Trammell. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, you know, as long he's going to be batting third in a lineup that is improving, that's scrappy, it's not great, but it's scrappy, right? Mm-hmm. There's a Ty France in there. Gerald Konick is going to be right behind him. I have Eugenio Suarez behind that. At the top is that Frazier yeah. contact. Yeah, you got Hanager. It's a scrappy lineup. So, I mean, the park is obviously not as friendly to home runs as Great American Ballpark, a.k.a. Great American Small Park, but... uh Again, these are two guys with power that plays in any stadium. Eugenio Suarez didn't need short walls to hit bombs. Right. Right? You don't hit fifty bombs because you got short walls. You have fifty bombs because you're real strong. And I think that uh he he can grow on that. And, you know, with the weird outputs we've seen in Cincinnati from hitting, it was great to see like Joey Vado have a rejuvenated year and and Jesse Winker did good. In recent history, though, they've had a really weird track record of like lack of success. Mike Mustakis had struggled a lot. Out of nowhere, Eugenio Suarez started struggling a lot in 2020. Nick Castellano struggled a lot. Um, so it was I a crazy wonder, season
1: where all of them slumped yeah, at the it, same time.
2: So it's like, you know, maybe the Mariners see something, then get Eugenio Suarez some of that back. Either hmm. way, I think you take the same exact risk on them that you did before. And yeah, maybe cross off a couple home runs. But I mean, with these guys, their their production was going to be so high level that you didn't, like, those two or three home runs might not even hurt, and it might not even happen, because if they play more or can play closer to their true talent, like Suarez, those couple home runs you lost from the walls that, you know, are made up from the fact that they played a full season and found some of their true talent.
1: Right, right. And uh, I agree with you, Winker's going to play every day, but I, I think the reason why the Reds wanted to platoon uh, Winker was uh, his issues pl- hitting against left-handed pitching at 177 against them. Last season, so, but I, I do agree with that. I think he's going to be playing every day, but just you know, keep keep in mind with that if you ever use him in a DFS lineup, make sure that it's. He's, uh, batting against a right-handed pitcher. Um, and uh, so so the Reds also traded uh, Sonny Gray to the Twins, and we'll talk about the Twins in a in a few minutes. But so now, w- what do the Reds have left? I mean, it uh, looks like Aristides Aquino is going to be getting every day at bats, I think, in right field. Uh, remember Nick Senzel? I think he's going to, according to Ross, the resource, he's going to be their starting center fielder. And you got to wonder, he was a very highly regarded prospect for the Reds, but just... Uh, a lot of injuries and whatnot. And then Jake Fraley going to get every day at bats in left field. And nobody's going to roster uh, Fraley in a deep fantasy league, but uh, roster resource says he's going to hit 13 home runs and 12 stolen bases. Yeah,
2: actually, Jake Fraley is an interesting name because he actually was, he was something last season, right? We talked about him from time to time because his batting average is atrocious, but his plate discipline is wild, right? Last mm-hmm. season, 17.4% walk rate, 26.2. 8% strikeout rate and the batting average was 210, but that OBP 352, right? The slugging mm-hmm. was also not that great. But in an OBP league, this guy's got just enough power and speed to be sort of, you know, sort of interesting in mm-hmm. a way, right? In a full season, which no one would ever give him. But if he got it, he could be like a 2020 guy. No one's gonna give that to him, but I, I don't think Reds the might be forced to. <laughs> yeah. And, and like 15-15 is not another question. Again, mm-hmm. in a normal like in a, in a batting average league, I don't think you can deal with this because the, the batting average is always going to be bad. He doesn't yeah. put a ton of balls in play. Uh, he does strike out a lot. But the OBP plays, right? Like I, I don't even like him in leagues that count slugging because that slug's never going to be much over 400. But he can scrape together a really nice OBP and some power and speed. And it should be someone that's at least on your watch list for those hot streaks or maybe stretches of time where the Mariners are playing well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we're going to get to the twins in a second, but I just want to mention the Blue Jays. They've been very aggressive as well. And maybe by the time you hear this, uh, they might even have a big first baseman who lives part time in Canada on their roster, believe it or not. Yeah, they're, they're making a play for Freddie Freeman. And it'd be interesting to see if that works out. But uh, they you uh, Yusei Kikuchi and uh, like i said who knows who else is going to be on their roster by the next time you hear this but i think they're going to be the class of the al east for the next several years i mean just look at all that talent there scott
2: man that over the last season and a half or so they've really reinvented that pitching staff and that's a Mm -hmm. big part of i think why they're willing to invest so much on the hitting side because you know the rich get richer with hitting but and you know two years ago this rotation was a joke and we're all wondering are any of them worth like rostering besides Hyunjin Ryu and now Hyunjin Ryu is their third guy right Mm -hmm. Jose Barrios Kevin Gaussman Hyunjin Ryu Alec Manoa and Yusei Kikuchi so this no longer puts too much pressure on the aging sometimes inconsistent Hyunjin Ryu now balances a lot of what this team can do across there the like it's just amazing that you know if you add Frey Freeman and they could really use a left-handed hitter right? This lineup is really, really right-hand heavy. The one lefty they have is Kevin Biggio, who's not someone I think they want to play full-time based on how much he struggled in years past. But mm-hmm. I think they would love to bring, you know, bring a Freddie Freeman in and then maybe move like a Biggio to third or something like that. And just, um, you know, something, get rid of Santiago Espinal or something and just get these hitters in the lineup. Right. And they'll also accept the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily expect George Springer to play a full season Um, you know, you don't expect consistent production production out of like a Randall Grychuk all season. They have ways to move this stuff around. So, I mean, Bijo can play in the outfield a little bit to get more lefties in. They're going to have to be able to stop some right-handed aces because they got a couple of them in their division. And I think the way they're going to do that is with a left-handed hitter, like a Freddie Freeman, right? You got to make, you got to make some of these righties, like a Garrett Cole pause for a second. If you're going to beat them in a bunch of these series. I think one way you do that is with a Freddie Freeman. You can't do it with an all right-handed lineup because Garrett Cole's too good. You can't beat him consistently that way. You're going to have to, to win this division. So I do think they're going to make a move and that'd be a really cool one for them to make. Even if I don't quite know how the roster will work out. I think that if you're the blue Jays ownership, you're kind of thinking like, it doesn't really matter how we're going to shake. Let that shake out on its own. Get the best players. We want to win a championship.
1: That's a good point that they're looking for a left-handed batter, and by the time this podcast drops on the 16th, you'll know probably who that left-handed batter is, whether it's going to be Freeman. There was even rumors that they were looking into Kyle Schwarber, so we'll see, but they're definitely going to remain active, and like I said – Uh, As a Yankee fan in the AL East, they're a team that scares me for the next several years. But uh, why don't we take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about what the Twins, Rangers, and my Yankees did. We'll be right back right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Joe Galina and Scott Chu, and uh, we've been teasing uh, what the Twins, Yankees, Rangers did, and you know, can't wait to talk about my Yankees there, Scott. We're also going to talk about your Tigers. Why don't we talk about your Tigers first? Um, uh, AJ Hinch telling the media that, hey, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson actually have a shot at making the Tigers' opening day roster, and uh, Miggy, Mickey Cabrera saying, Hey, I'll play DH, you know, just let the kid uh, play first base. Miggy wants to
2: win games again, right? Miggy knows that he's almost 39 years old and that he wants, he loves playing baseball. There's no one that has more fun on the baseball diamond than Miguel Cabrera, even when the guy can barely move and run. Mm-hmm. I think that he'd be more than happy to DH most of the time. If that meant bringing in players to this team to win, Because if the Tigers saw anything last year, it's that they're not a bad ball club, right? They went 500 after the month of April. April was terrible, but after that, they went 500. They've made some moves. Mm -hmm. Uh, You obviously know I love Akil Badu, who's going to bat at the top of that lineup. They've got Robbie Grossman. They've added Javier Baez. I mean, there's a lot to this lineup. They just need a little more depth. I think the Mm -hmm. way they can get that are players like Spencer Torkeson and Riley Green. I don't know if both of them will be up right away. Maybe one of them. I don't know if they'll get consistent playing time right away, but by midseason, I would be expecting that some of these big stars that the Tigers have been hiding in the minors are going to be up and they're going to be ready to play. Uh, Another guy I like who I just – I'm going to keep dropping this name for you real deep league folks, Isak Paredes. A lot of other Tigers folks don't necessarily like him. I love the bat. I think that he's sort of positionless, but he's got a great feel for contact. He hit really well in AAA right along with like Rylan Green and Spencer Torkelson. He put up just as good a numbers as they did in that level. And I think that that's another really interesting guy that could bring up, especially if an injury happens or if they decide they want to move some more players around. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Like if they don't bring up Torkelson, that means they'll put uh, probably Jonathan Scope back at first base most of the time and find someone else to play second place like an Esoc parades something like that so just something to keep in mind these tigers are going to surprise some people next year i think that it's interesting if you look at betting sites they're uh, i think they usually have the second best odds to win the al central there's a reason these uh these casinos and everything are sort of hot on the tigers right now now that'll probably change after all these trades but uh the the tigers have something brewing
1: mhm no, i agree with you when we were doing this podcast last year And the Tigers swept my Yankees. And I was like, you know, they're a pretty scrappy team. And like you said, I think it was after the first month of the season, they were a 500 team. And uh, a lot of the experts are picking the Tigers to uh, play over 500 this season. And I'm glad that we got to do this podcast together right at the time as the Tigers, I think, are going to take off. So uh, I'm with you
0: there.
2: Oh, it's beautiful. We we got more Badoo and Scoobble talk coming, folks, all season long.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's go back to uh, what the Twins and the Rangers and the Yankees did. So
2: lots of things happening, lots of moving pieces. But originally, the trade that we were kind of excited about is the Twins acquired Isaiah Connor Falefa, catcher, third base shortstop extraordinaire uh, from the Rangers, and they gave up Mitch Garver. Right. So the twins felt like they got a shortstop to play this season and the Rangers felt like they got another bat, right? A guy that they could bat in the middle of the lineup. And that's really cool. And then later that day, we found (laughs) that the the twins didn't get their shortstop in Isaiah kiner falefa because they traded kiner falefa and Josh Donaldson to the Yankees Mm. to get Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela.
1: Right. So... So the and guy- they traded also Ben Ro I uh, hope yes. I get that name to the Yankees too. so so the Yankees, uh basically the two teams traded headaches, right? the the the, uh, the twins got rid of Josh Donaldson oft injured, still a very capable power hitter, but not only did they get rid of him, and his injury-proneness, but they got rid of $50 million of salary because the Yankees ate that, and the Yankees got rid of their headache and Gary Sanchez, and, you know, I've been very vocal about how bad Gary Sanchez is. Oh, that Gary is scary. Uh, but I'm just, you know, wishing the best for him. Maybe this is exactly what he needs, you know, a new a change of pace, a uh, new place to play where the media isn't really on top of them or anything, but uh, you know Gio Urshela, I'm going to miss him. <laughs> so, but but kind of Falefa is our shortstop. Josh Donaldson is the Yankees' third baseman, and how do you put Josh Donaldson and Gary Cole, who hate each other, on the same team, Scott? <laughs>
2: Yeah, especially because uh, that's going to be the direction Cole's facing every pitch, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Right at him. So so that'll be a lot of fun. I won't be surprised. He's going to get a couple days of rest uh, every (laughs) fifth day. Keep him healthy, right? Uh, But I I think that it's a really interesting move. Kiner Falefa is just not a fantasy factor in 10 and 12 team leagues unless he has coucher eligibility, and he doesn't anymore. He's not ever going to get it back. Uh, He was never really intended to be a catcher. He actually won a gold glove playing third uh in hmm. 2020. So he's a much better fielder than that. He turns a lot of double plays. He's a he's a solid defensive shortstop and that's going to put Labor Torres back at second. I mean that just, you know, didn't work out and they had just announced Urshela as the starting shortstop, but he didn't have very, very much experience earlier
1: that day. Aaron was, Boone told the media, "Yeah, the, uh, he, Urshela is my starting." Shortstop. Yeah,
2: it felt like he said it, and then the brass were like, "What? Who? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on." And then they, who what booney said, <laughs> yeah, "Yeah, wait, Geo. Oh, no, 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 no. Get make some phone calls." But they, so, um, nothing against Geo Rochella. He actually has a really nice. He's been really good at hitting for a high average, right? I just mm-hmm. wrote up the shortstop ranks, and I think you'd be really surprised at how well he's hit over the last two years, mm-hmm. right? Really, in his in his whole career, he was really bad uh, when he was with Cleveland and Toronto in terms of batting average. He had these, like, 220 batting averages. But with the Yankees, his overall batting average is, like, 280-something. Yes. Uh, he's, he's been really, really good for them. He has, you know, modest power. But he's yeah. a guy who he can really boost batting average. And he's a guy, again, he's more of, like, a watch list, like, back-end guy because he hasn't exactly played full seasons in a while. But don't forget 2019, right? The guy hit 314. 21 home runs 132 Mm -hmm. games in the shortened season he hit 298 again right slugged almost 500 we didn't see the power last season and um you know the the plate discipline wasn't quite as good but there's upside here on the twins team that is going to hit a lot better than they did last season right that the twins are a team i'm really excited about if only because i mean i'm more excited about my tigers but the twins have done a lot to really shore up this was a team that I thought should have competed for the AL Central title last year. It just fell apart. They could not find any sort of sense in pitching. So they did pick up Sonny Gray and they signed Dylan Bundy. That's a big plus, right? Um, it's still the back end of their rotation is scary. Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan, Ryan Randy Dobnak, whatever other collection of guys they can kind of get. But uh, the lineup still it's, it's it's still weirdly crowded. But there's a lot of pieces here right? Top to bottom. I mean, you've got Gio Urshela batting eighth. Alex Kirilov, who's promising batting seventh. Mm-hmm. I wonder how long they're going to keep Gary. Your roster resources, it says Gary Sanchez is going to bat sixth. I wouldn't be shocked. if he gets moved to something like eight or ninth. Mm-hmm. Everybody else moves up, but there's a lot of hitters on this team. They, they can yeah. really do some damage. They'll really, I think go after teams that have, you know, some fly ball right-handed pitching because there's a lot of really strong lefties on this team. But yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a wild ride in the AL Central. That's will tell you.
1: Yeah. And, and having watched Gio Urshela every day as a, as a Yankee fan, when he first came up, they built him exactly the way that you said, basically an all-glove, no-bat kind of guy. But he did surprise. Uh, he has, like, you know, up to 20 home run type of power. And like you mentioned, he batted over 300 one season and – he could hit for, you know, a 270, 280 average. And he's going to, the way Ross Resource see, sees it, he's going to be their everyday third baseman. And in deeper leagues, he might be worth a flyer as a corner infielder, or, you know, obviously on your bench. I'm talking like 15 team leagues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, like we had talked about Jose Miranda, if he could get in there too, because he could play some third base or he might DH. And you're right, just looking at this lineup here, Got a lot of moving ports, but some really good stuff here. Obviously, Buxton and uh, you know, Kepler has been slumping over the past few years, but you know, he has the capability of hitting 30 home runs. And yeah. uh, you know, Trevor Lorneck is a decent uh minor league pedigree, so it you know, could be an interesting team to watch. And uh, Bentley Ober and Joe Ryan, you know, some decent numbers in the minor leagues, and they they could uh, they could put it together, you know, Sonny Gray if Dylan Bundy could find his way from uh, pitch the way he did a couple of years ago. I mean, as long as he's not in
2: Baltimore, I think he's got a chance to reach his potential. And I mean, Randy dobnak has got a great mustache. So there's a (laughs) lot of good things happening in the rotation. And then again, in the lineup, this isn't the most durable team either, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, how healthy will Miguel Sano be? How healthy will Byron Buxton be? How healthy will Gary Sanchez be? How healthy can this team stay? right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be opportunities for guys like a Jose Miranda to come up and make an impact, right? Brent Rooker, another guy on their bench that is really good. Nick Gordon was once a highly regarded prospect. He's mostly speed, right? He's a former first overall pick, but I mean, it's, it's a lot of moving parts, but it's a lot of really exciting stuff. I think it's going to be a big pain for weekly league managers early on till we Mm -hmm. get a good idea of, of how they're going to make everything work. But lot, I mean, just a lot of promising pieces here and, and that's not even talking about the guys that are down in like triple a they they acquired austin martin who was a first round pick in 2020 they and he's a top you know he's like a top 60 overall prospect they've they've acquired i mean they've got all kinds of guys who played in the majors before Derek fisher kyle garlic jake cave there's a lot of pieces here so this team is now very very deep mm-hmm. right so a little annoying for fantasy purposes. I mean, they've also got Royce Lewis who can play shortstop. He's another top 70 prospect or so. Yep. Um, I wonder how it's all going to work. And I think it might be a really, really good offense and a really, really good um, like real baseball team and a painful one for fantasy managers at times, especially mm-hmm. with the whole bottom half of the lineup.
1: Yeah. Uh, and taking a look at what the Yankees lineup looks like now, um, and the thing is, I mean, the Yankees were in on the Matt Olson, trying to get him uh, to be traded, but the A's were holding out. They wanted uh, Anthony Volpe, and then he's a, a prize shortstop prospect that the Yankees were not willing to part with. And then uh, there's a, another shortstop that they have. There's a, a, he's a little closer to making the major league, uh, Oswaldo Peraza. And tell you the truth, I I thought that maybe they might have given him a chance if they hadn't made this trade and uh, gotten kind of Falefa as their as their shortstop. But you, you described Falefa having, you know, little fantasy value. And I, I kind of agree, except for maybe deeper leagues – only for the fact that he could give you maybe 15 to 20 steals and you know steals are such a uh, big commodity that fantasy managers are looking for these days but uh, in real life when you're looking at the Yankees lineup now you know Falefa kind of Falefa is a right-hander right-handed batter so Yankees lineup is very right-handed but uh, they have their you know stopgap shortstop right now the Yankees do so uh, we'll see how it works out. I uh, wasn't thrilled with this trade, especially with the Yanks taking fifty million, uh, all fifty million dollars of uh, Donaldson's uh, salary, and just Donaldson's recent injury history. That's very scary to me.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't want to make too much of this, but I've been really interested in some of like the non-roster invitees that they've brought in to New York, and mm-hmm. these like little one-year deals. Because they keep signing a bunch of speedsters. I'm trying to figure out what Jose they're trying Jose Peraza, to do. right? Jose Peraza, LeCastro. Tim LoCastro. Mm-hmm. He was today. I and mean, then if you go and look in like the minor league, the guys that got minor league contracts, Ender Inciarte, mm-hmm. right? He's down mm-hmm. there. He's another guy <laughs> that can really run. So I'm kind of just like, what are you guys doing? They're it's the go-go this- Yankees now. <laughs> yeah, are, are, yeah, yeah. It's like, is this going to be, is this going to be a team that runs? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it really interesting. The, I doubt they keep all of these guys, but they're clearly looking for a speed piece and they didn't care about the handedness, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. Um, I guess they're going to hope that Joey Gallo is all of the uh, left-handed power they need, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't be, I don't know how much they're going to, you know, I think they are going to make more moves. I just don't know how splashy they'll be. Mm-hmm. right i'm kind of looking around the available free agents that are that are left-handed they're ne- i mean they were never going to be in on freeman because they weren't i don't think they were in on some of the big shortstops i don't think they're looking for that big of a contract but it'd be cool right freeman would definitely fill a void there and uh luke void is certainly not someone who is super healthy uh kyle schwarber would be another really nice fit for them
1: you read my mind yeah i was just going to mention him yeah, yeah he, as a he's a lefty another,
2: He's a really, he's a really nice one that, that fits in a lot of places or even Anthony, a return of Anthony Rizzo.
1: That's what they are saying is going to happen. That's yeah, the, I, you know,
2: I think that's the most likely, but again, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a left-handed hitter who can do some really nice things. And then you can start going, you know, then you can start getting like further down the list and looking for a couple other, like, you know, more replacement level bats. If you wanted to get like a Brad Miller, who's more of like a pinch hit type, Eddie Rosario, I think is still out mm-hmm. there. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, Michael Conforto still out there. He's another guy that I think could be interesting for them, who's left-handed. Or you know, every time a guy's left, you know, a team needs a left-handed bat, you're going to see two names that come up as cheap, which are uh, Corey Dickerson and Jock Peterson. Again, two mm-hmm. guys who I think could be really interesting for the Yankees because hitting, being a lefty, and hitting for the Yankees is a really good thing. So, right. I I wonder how that's all going to play out. And at the same, they can really go a lot of different directions here. So. You know, hold on to your butts. You yeah. gotta, it's going to be a crazy week. We're going to see how these lineups shake out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of Yankee fans scratching their heads over, the, you know, the uh, these trades that the uh, Yankees made uh, recently, and like you just mentioned, wondering what comes next. So uh, we'll see. But um, uh, like I mentioned, Oswaldo Peraza, Anthony Volpe look like they are going to be the future. Uh, left side of the Yankee infield. Maybe Oswaldo Peraza, you know, maybe they can move him over to third base, but they're really high on Anthony Volpe. But uh, I think his target date, if you if you look at the MLB website, maybe 2024. But yeah, uh, uh, everyone's real high on him. So I wanted the Yankees to just get rid of uh, Aaron Hicks, eat his contract and maybe, uh, you know, use some of that, uh, that those big bucks that everybody says Yankees have and, and, and try to sign say a Suzuki uh, and his four Oh two OBP. But uh, I wonder if by the time this podcast drops, uh, we'll know uh, where he's going. There were rumors that he was going to go to the Padres, but I, I, I think he came out with an Instagram post. He said there are seven other teams that he's considering, but um, we'll see where, where he ends up. But that, that's going to be a very interesting uh, player. See how he uh, pans out in the major leagues.
2: Well, at least Aaron Hicks isn't hitting third anymore,
1: right? Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like
2: he's, he is an underrated hitter when he's actually healthy, which is never, hmm. but he, you know, he should never have been hitting third. He's going to be batting probably at the bottom of the order. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's hard to find center fielders. Mm-hmm. Teams don't yeah. let good ones go. So I kind of get why they've been a little hesitant to move him around. Cause I don't know if they feel like they have someone to play center. Uh, yeah. if He's gone. So they'd have to get someone and not a lot of teams looking to give one up except for maybe weirdly. I don't think they'll trade with them because they're kind of after some of the same pieces, but there's one team that has multiple center fielders on the roster and it's actually Atlanta. They've got mm-hmm. Christian Pache, Andrew waters who are both ready to play.
1: Well, Pache went in the deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He just, uh, I think they sent him to Oakland.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Oakland. Yeah. yeah, That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's Mm a giant, I mean, just an absolutely giant, uh, giant outfield for him to cover. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And they also acquired the, the catching prospect, Shea Langoliers. Mm -hmm. So that was a really interesting move. And one, one that I really like for Oakland too, um, because like, let's be real, they weren't really set up to compete this year. And at least they're giving the fans what they want, right? Which is, mm-hmm. if you're not going to win, sell. If you're not going to win, sell. And they ha- like, they kind of are out of pieces to trade, really, unless they really like want to get rid of Matt Chapman, which would cost another team a lot of money, mm-hmm. or a lot of prospects, whatever it is. Um, yeah, he was linked
1: to the Phillies. Who, who knows by the time this podcast drops where he'll be. But I, I, I know the Phillies were very interested in him. Yeah.
2: And, and they've got a DH lined up, which is Eric Thames, who just keeps coming back. We you mentioned him mean? a few weeks ago. Yeah, Eric yeah. Thames coming back. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to play that much, but there is power there. He might be a sneaky like uh, weekend stream or something like that. But mm-hmm. just so many moving parts all over the league. And usually in these off seasons, we're waiting for like this guy to go, then everything else happens. Right? We're waiting for this guy to go, and everything else happens. And in this off season, that's just not what's happening. This right. offseason, players are just move it. Nobody cares. Like they're not <laughs> waiting for so and so design. Everybody's just like, right. get me a contract, let's play baseball.
1: What do you so, think uh in the uh, Right now he's uh the roster resource has him as the Rangers third baseman. First of all, you think the Rangers are done? And if if not this Andy Abanya is a little interesting to me. He's one of these, you know, older prospects, right? Uh, 28 years old. He's played only 76 big league, major league games, right? Uh, but uh, 288, 355, 455, triple slash, and five minor league seasons could be a sneaky play down the road.
2: Yeah. You know what he reminds me of, at least from a statistical output perspective, is like a slightly toned down TIE France. Mm. Uh, that's a guy who can be really valuable with plate appearances, and then without them is not really super valuable. So, I, I like Andy Abanias. He did show some flashes last season. He does not have a ton of power in this bat. He's not very fast. He's like an all hit tool guy, but you know what? So is Jake Cronenworth, right? And that's the mm. kind of upside you could see from him. I'm not comparing him to Jake Cronenworth. It's just with this archetype, that's the sort of upside. The Ty right. France, Jake Cronenworth type with up to 20 home run power and a good batting average. That's what we have in an Andy Ibanez if it goes well. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, again, a wa- not, maybe not even a watch list in 12-teamers, but in 15-teamers, something to keep an eye on. He doesn't steal bases, but he could provide some batting average and, and mm-hmm. do some good things. And a little pop. so, yeah. A yeah, little I, bit, yeah. I, I don't hate it. And what's kind of fun right now is, uh, you know, I, I have, you know, I have some pretty serious ADD, ADHD, whichever you want to call it. And this offseason has been perfect for it. Because every time I'm about to fall down a rabbit hole, a new a new move is made right like even this podcast right we're just like we're just jumping from team to team everything's interesting everything's fun this is this is just so like this is everything we've been waiting for for this whole stupid lockout Mm -hmm. and now i'm just glad that we can talk about real baseball we can talk about teams making moves we're not even talking about some of the big like we haven't even talked about some of the relievers that got signed i'm not sure if any of them are going to close but they could ian kennedy mixes stuff up in arizona uh, Calame,
1: Alex Calame with the Rockies could take over for Carlos Estevas, right? Um, yeah, just, I mean,
2: and then Adam we'll, Aravino
1: with the with the Mets now, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm.
2: just, and Brad Hand went over to the Phillies.
1: Yeah, Euris Familia joins the Phillies too, so the Phillies really revamping that bullpen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know we won't get into all of that mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not as good with relievers. I would definitely be telling people to check out any work that's dropped by Rick Graham. Uh, and our team who work really hard on relief pitchers. I think the one player I didn't talk about, you mentioned him. I want to bring him back up because I'm ADD, right? I want to go back to the Reds. I do want to talk just a tiny bit about Air Aquino, and not because I think you need to draft him or anything, right? The strikeouts are still untenable, but he started walking more. Hmm. He started walking more. And, and, you know, again, he only hit 190, and the OBP was still sub 300, right? But those kinds of improvements can lead to something, right? He's only 27 years old. Uh, we everybody knows he's got power, but there's a chance he can make the type of change that we need him to make because he has power and speed. Whenever someone has power and speed, what we like, we're always going to hope, we're always going to dream. And if you're going to hope and dream, I don't hate doing it with a guy like Aristides Aquino because you can do it from the sidelines. You don't actually have to invest a, a roster spot or anything like that, right? All you have to know is that the the walk rate really started improving, and yes, the strikeout rate also really started spiking at the end of last season. But he he's made adjustments there before. If he can make, he's got to make a big adjustment because he's not quite Miguel Sano. But if if this guy could even bat like two ten or two twenty, he has niche use in fantasy, right? A streamer when the lineups are right. If he could just get like a split or something, I mean, give me anything to hang my hat on and say I can start this guy then. Right, because if he can give me that, like if he can just say, if we can just say, all right, Aquino, you're not that bad against lefties, right? Um, And he wasn't terrible. He had a seven sixty one OPS against them. He only hit one ninety eight, but four. You know, he, he That's can really sixty
1: points that. more than he hits righties.
2: Yeah, uh, almost hundred <laughs> points more. Right? <laughs> not good. so. He can he can really bump that up. He's like a step away. Uh, the play discipline against lefties was very good, right? Mm-hmm. It was 15% walk rate to go with that 28% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. So if he can just make one one more change, he all of a sudden has relevance. I'm not saying he's good. I'm saying he has relevance.
1: Every day right? at bats, he's going to hit 30 home runs.
2: He'll go on yeah. streaks where he'll be the top player available on your wire, and it might be worth a look for the short term. So mm-hmm. just another name to keep in mind. There's also of those. Aristides Aquino. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one that went on the like the craziest rookie power surge we've ever seen and then mm-hmm. absolutely cratered afterwards. Yep. So, um, you know, it's something that can happen. I am really interested to just see how the Reds turn out. I don't really know what they're going to do. I don't know what anyone's going to do. And by the time we record again next week, we're probably going to have to go through all of these again.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it will be interesting to see what the Reds uh roster does look like because uh looks like they're just tearing it down so uh but uh, i'll just bring up three other guys and then we're gonna head out of here and then hey next week we got to finish up our outfield preview and uh, you said that uh maybe uh dylan burris could join us right uh, yeah i, I hope think- so yeah he did
2: an excellent job writing up the outfield ranks which are all available over at pitcher list uh, like i said the last of my ranks are going to be done uh, and published by the time this article comes out tomorrow morning Um, Then I just have to do the hitter list, the top 150. So that'll be probably in about two weeks. That'll be our episode, just going through my first hitter list, the top 150 catchers or sorry, top 150 players, not very many catchers on the list. Sorry, but uh, top 150 hitters, that'll be really fun to go through. That's probably in like two or three weeks or so uh, when I finally figure out who everyone's playing for, Hmm. right? It's one thing to do a positional ranking and then you got to slam them all together and you got to start comparing guys who are different positions and and that'll be a lot of fun. It's my first season doing it, taking over for the great John Metzeler. So I'm excited to do that. And um, yeah, I hope Dylan can come and tell me how much he uh, he liked writing my rankings and how much he disagreed with them during the process.
1: Hmm. Any other – yeah, I look forward to if he does come on. Uh, any other deals that you, moved you, like uh, Carlos Rodon to the Giants, uh, Nelson Cruz batting behind Juan Soto uh, in the Nationals? Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, I, I really like those. I love the Carlos Rodano.
1: by the way, back with the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, yeah, weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> no, I really like the Carlos Rodano one because if anybody has found the secret sauce for pitching, it's the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Right, they're the team right now. It was the Astros for a while. It was, it's been other teams. Right now, it's the Giants. They've got the secret sauce. They've got a guy who really unlocked something last season. Even if the Dura is not all there in a 10 or 12-team league, I think Nick's got a lot, like I'm sure Nick loves that He went to the giants. He gets mm-hmm. a great ballpark. Yeah. He gets, yeah. And he gets a, a team that has just learned how to get the most out of pitching that other people couldn't. Gallif-
1: it's a win-win funded. because yeah. the giants are getting a good pitcher and it's a two-year deal, but he could opt out Carlos Rodon. Uh So he's banking on himself and obviously has incentive to really do well. So uh, I like it for both parties.
2: Yeah, it's a great move, and I drafted him in, in several leagues, and I'm feeling really, really good.
1: You should, yeah. And uh, nice to see Kershaw back on a one-year deal with the Dodgers. You know, who knows, could be his last year. And, and he's one of these guys where you like it when they play their entire career for one team. You know, like uh, it's old school kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, if he went anywhere, I'd want it to be like a Tom Brady kind of thing where he goes go somewhere just to win his championship and get out. Yeah. Right. He's already got a couple, but why not? What's one more?
1: Tom Brady, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) One more, right? One more. So I I like that part of it. I think Mm -hmm. that obviously the Dodgers are still really good. It's weird Kershaw being their third pitcher on Mm -hmm. the list, right? Mm -hmm. Like Bueller, Mm -hmm. then uh, Urias, and then. Kershaw, which is weird because you just yeah. expect him to be on top. I, I think he'll start opening day. I wonder when Dustin May is going to come back because he was absolutely on I fire. Middle
1: of the season, I think. Yeah, something like expecting. that. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he's got he's got one of those super sliders or super mm-hmm. sinkers that just goes like 102 miles an hour and moves, even though it doesn't strike a ton of guys out. No one can do anything to it. uh That'll be exciting. But yeah, I mean, just oh, I'm so excited, Joe. There's so so many moving pieces, and we're not even done. You we're mentioned the close. word
1: exciting, and I'll tell you, just being a baseball fan. This past uh, these past several days has just been incredible. So, And I'm sure there's a lot more to come. And, uh, you know, we, we don't even want to talk about rumors because by the time this podcast drops, there'll be new rumors. And the, the rumors that we tell you about today <laughs> while we're recording on the 14th won't mean anything. So just sit back, enjoy the ride, uh, keep on doing your mock drafts. And then within a week, once the dust settles, you know, do your, your regular drafts and just have fun that's what baseball is all about. And,
2: and and for, you know, just your own sanity, push that draft date as far as you can. Oh yeah. This is a unique offseason where a lot of things are happening. I think we're going to see stuff happening all through this are pitchers are
1: stretched out, you know, you're hearing a, a lot that you know, this pitcher is not going to be ready for opening day, Lance McCullers isn't going to be ready, uh Ranger Suarez is having problems getting into the country. Uh there's other pitchers that aren't stretched out enough where they think that they'll be able to you know start the season in the uh in the rotation you know what I mean yeah. that's it's hard it, enough to work out year. in a regular season yeah. yeah that's
2: hard enough to work out in a regular season managing mm-hmm. all that it's happening even crazier now so just wait just wait mm-hmm. it's not a race right early drafts are fun but at this point uh like that part's over now you should just be waiting wait for that draft early drafts right. are cool cuz we all had like the same but now you'd hate to enter a slow draft now because you're going to have like the information is going to be changing all the time.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: It's really hard. So I would recommend folks push it as far as they can. I know that a lot of us have to slow draft now and that makes it difficult to push it much further, but if you can try because you really want to give yourself all the information you can
1: early drafts are fun, unless you did one and picked Fernando Tatis as your number one overall, but anyway, (laughs) so all right. Good stuff, Scott. Always a lot of fun, and especially a lot of fun, like I said, right now with all the activity, lots of activity. And uh, that slams the lid on things for today. Next time we're gonna get together is Wednesday, March 23rd. Enjoy the ride, and uh, we'll finish off our outfield preview and uh, follow me at Joe Galina. follow Scott at If the Chew Fits, follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a nice review, and as always. We hope that all of your fantasies become realities, and we'll see you next time.